Demi Lovato changes her pronouns, I'm sorry, their pronouns, a 10-year-old boy exposes the hypocrisy of their school board, and Joe Biden pretends to drive a truck. I'm William Hall, and this is The William Hall Show. Alright, welcome back to the show. So Demi Lovato, this is a person I've talked about before on the show, someone that has decided to be gender fluid and pansexual and just is attracted to anything really is what she was saying before. So she's now coming out and saying that she identifies as they or them. She's not multiple people, by the way, that's just the way that she's wanted to identify now. Of course, this is something that she announced on Tuesday. Uh, like I said, saying that she was changing her pronouns to they, them, and identifying as non-binary. Of course, there, what she's basically saying here is that she doesn't identify as male or female, but as this somewhat in-between, this this thing, something else that doesn't conform to the things that she actually is, by the way. So what she's going on through with this entire situation is ridiculous. We know that, but let's go into what she's actually saying. I'm going to refer to her as she, because that's what it is. <laughs> so I'm not going to play into this little fantasy game, but let's go ahead and get into what she's saying. So she said in a statement, um, that this new or this new identification best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know I am and I'm still discovering. So you already can kind of see the ridiculousness in what she's saying there because how can you both know what you are and yet also be discovering still what you are? It really sounds like you don't know who you are at all. That's really what that is. So she posted on Twitter, saying, today is the day. I'm so happy to share more of my life with you all. I am proud to let you know that I identify as non-binary and will officially be changing my pronouns to they, them moving forward. This has come after a lot of healing, self-reflective work. I'm still learning and coming into myself, and I don't blame or claim to be an expert or a spokesperson. Sharing this with you now opens another level of vulnerability for me, she continued. I'm doing this for those out there that haven't been able to share who they truly are with their loved ones. Please keep living in your truths and know I am sending so much love your way. Now, keep in mind, if in case you didn't realize, she's saying your truth, not the truth, your truth. And, and the left-wing people always do this, but I, I wonder sometimes, do they really hear themselves? I mean, can you really pay attention to what you're saying there? You're literally saying, it's a lie. That's what it is. I mean, if it, if it was the truth, then why wouldn't they just say the truth? They're openly admitting that they're lying to themselves. That's what they're doing. Now, keep in mind that by pronouns by themselves, when you're talking about her wanting to identify as they, them, pronouns are in essence, a selfish idea. And the reason why is because why would anybody need to tell you their pronouns if they didn't have the intention from the very beginning for some, for you or for anyone else to call them by that pronoun? This is what this is about. It's affirm me, affirm the things that I believe about myself. That's what this is about. So by nature, it is automatically a self-centered affirmation that you're seeking from other people because a pronoun wouldn't be for yourself. I mean, how much fun is a pronoun if other people don't really refer to you that way? 
in the way that you want them to do so. So she said in another statement, I'm done living other people's truths. I'm here to tell you that I'm going to live mine no matter what you think of it because it feels right to me. That one statement is everything wrong with the society that we live in today. Because you have her and a bunch of other people out there that believe, oh, my feelings are the most important thing in my life. When in reality, anybody with common sense knows that anyone that lives their life based off of what they want to do all the time is a horrible person. Because they're criminals, they're people that are just tough to be around, they're people that you don't like, they're just not good people. Because we're not meant to be living out our feelings no matter what. By nature, there is a moral law. There's things that we know that we shouldn't do, even though we feel like we want to do them. But yet, they're saying the exact opposite of that. So once again, if you only cared about yourself, if you only cared about the things that you believed in for yourself, why do you need to make an announcement about it? Because it's about other people. What she's really saying is, I want other people to affirm me and what I believe in. So if you, for example, saw Demi Lovato in a concert and you're talking to somebody saying, hey, I just saw Demi Lovato. They were really good. Well, that person's probably going to look at you if they didn't know who Demi Lovato was and think that you were talking about a band or a group of people. When in reality, you're you're referring to a singular person, one person. Because the they that you're using there doesn't make any sense grammatically. That's not how the English language works. What she's really trying to say in all of this stuff really is, I'm more complex than you are. I'm so complicated and there's so many things to me that I can't even use the regular words that we have lined out in the English language for hundreds of years. I I can't use those to describe myself. So I need to use something else and I'm so much more complex than you are and so much more important than you are that you cannot define me. It's a plea for attention. It's a plea for people to look at themselves or to really just a self-centered way of looking at things so that they can say that her identity transcends everything that we know to be the case today, to look special when you're nothing but. That's what this is about. So here's the thing. She's free to play word games all day long. I don't care. The fact is, is that anybody is free to do that because we live in a free country. The problem is where they're wanting us to play along with this fantasy of theirs. That's where the problem really lies, is it not? Because what we're seeing here is that it's not about them saying, I identify as that. I mean, I don't care if my neighbor across the way decides to identify as a watermelon. Okay, I mean, I think it's kind of weird. You know, you want to identify as a watermelon. That's completely on you. But hey, don't expect me to start calling you a watermelon to your face. That's not what's going to happen. You're not going to make me do that. And the same situation applies here. I'm not going into the situation to affirm what it is that you believe because that doesn't make sense grammatically and it's simply not true. Oftentimes when we talked about the transsexual ideologies and other things like that, people oftentimes brought up people that are schizophrenic. In every medical journal that we know today, if somebody is schizophrenic and they believe that they are seeing their dead grandmother or something like that, you don't and no medical professional would ever just say, okay, let's pretend like they do see them. Every time and every treatment shows that you bring them back to reality, you bring them back to reality, you bring them back to reality. You don't let them live out every single one of their visions or beliefs that are consistent with the schizophrenia. That's not how this works. 
But yet, for some reason, we live in a society now where it, it doesn't even have to necessarily be a mental illness, but they just go into this thing, I'm they, I'm them, and people must now affirm those actions. And if you don't, you're going to get canceled. Or they'll just call you racist or sexist or some other crazy terminology that they always like to use. The fact is, is that I'm fine with leaving people alone to their own stuff like this. Leave them alone. That's fine. Just... I mean, we've heard the statement, you do you, right? But that statement comes with this connotation that you're not going to make me do you. (laughs) You're not going to make me have to do the stuff that you're going along with for yourself. If we hear something crazy about someone around us, like I said, like the guy that identifies as a watermelon, it doesn't really matter to us. It shouldn't matter to us unless they're trying to have us play along with their fantasy, which should not happen. But at the same time, A pronoun is a grammatical construct. It's not something that you can just change to fit your narrative. It's not a pet. It's not an item of of clothing or some fashion piece that you can wear and take off and change at any given point in time just because you feel like it, depending on where the wind is blowing. It is a set in stone thing that is not movable. Language is used to convey meaning. Every time when we speak to somebody, when we say something, there's a purpose behind the words that we use, and there's a reason why we use those words so that we can convey an accurate message as to what we're actually trying to convey to someone. You take away language, you take away the meaning in language, because all of a sudden, what words used to mean no longer mean those things. We don't get our own adjectives and all these other things that we get to add on top of what we are and who we are and what we do, because otherwise it would just make the English language absolutely useless. As for pronouns like they, let's take an example here for a second and let's just assume that I'm making the statement or you're making the statement saying, look, someone left their phone here. I hope they come and pick it up. Okay, notice what I'm saying there. I'm using the word there. Now we know that multiple people don't own that phone because the use of the pronoun they or there is oftentimes used for, first of all, multiple people, but also an unknown person, someone where we don't know if they are a he or a she. So we use they or there to represent that. Now, what wouldn't make sense if you made the statement saying, look, I found William's phone over there. And then you say, I hope they come and pick it up. That wouldn't make sense, right? Or you wouldn't say, Look, William left their phone. Why wouldn't you say that? Because you know that I am, first of all, a singular person. You know that I'm a male. You know who I am. So you don't need to use they or there to represent what I am or who I am. And that's why it doesn't make sense to do this type of stuff. It just confuses everything to bend everything to their own will and their own devices for any given point in time. And it doesn't work. You fail to convey proper meaning when you take away those things. The fact is is that language matters. The thing also is that we cannot have a society without language. And the fact is that truth matters. And we can also not have a society without truth. Those things have to exist. So when we see an attack on our language and we see an attack on truth, the only inevitable outcome of that is we see that they are attacking our society and it shouldn't be tolerated no matter what. The January 6th commission, a lot of people have heard about this so far, but they were actually going to be holding a vote in the house to determine whether they should create this commission, which is really kind of an overstep if you think about it, because if you don't know what happened on January 6th was essentially just the protest 
with the conservatives that were marching on the Capitol. No one died except for one lady that was actually one of the protesters that got shot by one of the Capitol police, by the way. So, the, you know, the news doesn't want to focus on that at all. But you have the householders vote of whether to start this commission, which is ridiculous and redundant because the I believe the Department of Justice and a few other places were already doing investigations on these things. So it didn't make sense at all for them to change that and all of a sudden try to add on or stack on this stuff in addition to it. But you actually had Liz Cheney being one of 34 other Republicans that actually voted in favor of this commission. Now, of course, the natural line of thinking is, listen, all these people need to be primaried out, which is correct. All of them should be primaried. We need to find new people to replace them that aren't being ridiculous about things. But enough of the talk. I hear this all the time. People say this all the time, and you can say it to the cows come home. But at the end of the day, if we want people to actually change something, if we want something to actually change with who's in these seats, we need to actually have people that legitimately primary them. Not just say it and talk about it, but we need people to actually primary them. Um, so surprisingly, Mitch McConnell actually disagreed and actually opposed the commission, and he said that it was slanted and an unbalanced proposal. But ultimately, it's just a Republican witch hunt. That's all it really is. There was even some lawmakers that were floating the idea of having Trump testify about his role in all of it. I mean, what, what are you really going to pull out of him at this point, guys? It's over. Like, it's over. It's, it's been months since it's passed. Let it go. I think this is really just another excuse for them to keep Trump in the media to keep talking about Trump, to keep reveling in those things because they don't have anything else to go off of right now. They really don't. And they're going to focus on it as much and as hard as they possibly can. So in a bit of a different story here, um, the American Medical Association or the AMA has now released a plan to embed social and racial justice into the medical profession. Now, this is something that has been, I think, a long time coming. I, I'm not surprised to see them actually doing this or talking about this, but it's not a good idea, and we'll kind of go through exactly why that's the case. So, first of all, the AMA is the national or the nation's largest professional association of physicians, and this was publishing its uh, organizational strategic plan to embed racial justice and advance health equity last week. This is an 86-page document that outlines a three-year plan to implement anti-racist initiatives, including pushing critical race theory, specifically in the medical community. Once again, not a good idea. So one of the plan's specific goals is to expand medical school and physician education to include equity, anti-racism, structural competency, public health and social sciences, critical race theory, and historical bias of disease. The plan pushes mandatory anti-racism and equity explicit training on all medical trainees and staff. And so one of the declarations that they put in here that I think was the, the one that kind of stood out to me is where it said, we acknowledge that we are all living off the taken ancestral lands of indigenous people for thousands of years. That's literally a declaration. Now, if you're, you're probably thinking what I'm thinking. What in the world does that have to do with medications, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, what does that have to do with medicine? Isn't that what these guys are supposed to be focusing on? Yet, for some reason, they're trying to inject that into it for, I don't even know what the reasoning is. Who cares about borrowed land? Aren't you supposed to be treating diseases? Isn't that what this is about? I mean, so it goes on and it says... Uh, they're trying to also implement this affirmative action type of deal in this as well. So medical schools have adopted dramatic affirmative action policies in order to matriculate a critical mass of black applicants who tend to score lower on the medical college admissions test or the MCAT than their white or Asian counterparts. Once again, what you're doing is you're lowering the standards of the testing scores 
in an industry where people are saving people's lives. I mean, this is dangerous at this point. I mean, you want to put for affirmative action in to a college for a liberal arts degree. I mean, I don't agree with it, but you know what? Go whatever. When you start injecting this into the medical field and the profession, there's a problem because now all of a sudden you have underqualified people getting into schools, graduating from schools that they have no business graduating from or being at in the first place. So between 2015 and 2016, an MCAT score of 24 to 26 and a GPA of 3.20 to 3.39 was only good enough to gain admission to medical school for 8% of white students, which is probably the actual correct percentage what it should be. But more than 56% of black people with those scores got in. This is not good, guys. Like, this is going to backfire tremendously. 70% of the time, administrators said a white person with an MCAT score of 27 and 29 and a GPA of 3.40 to 3.59 would not make a suitable doctor. But more than 80% of black people with those exact scores were admitted. Whoa, that's not good either. I mean, come on. Notice that this is not equality of opportunity. This is the equality of outcome. That's what this is about. I talked about this in the last show. But but you have these people that are doing this. And the problem is, is that when it comes down to the health of people, when you have doctors and you're wondering, was this guy a diversity hire? I don't know. Maybe I'll take my chances elsewhere. With the white doctor, not because I'm racist, but because I don't want to be in a situation where somebody's operating on me that got one of these low scores and affirmative action put them in their position. It, you know, to me, the mere thinking of the percentage of people that are passing a test or failing a test and what race they are is automatically on his face kind of racist if you think about it, because it doesn't matter. You have an objective score to get on these tests. So you need to get those scores, and if you don't get them, you don't get in. The opportunity is presented the same way for everybody. Whether you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Everybody has the same exact objective to get to at the school. And if you are changing that dependent on the race, all you're doing is putting in less qualified people into the job just so that you can say it's all perfectly even. The equality of outcome. The problem is, is that... It's not going to be an equality of outcome when those doctors go on to make ridiculous mistakes in the in the medical field and get covered for it because they're black. No one's going to care because they're black. This is the problem that we have already. Now, the AMA claims that racism and discrimination ensure that historically marginalized communities remain disproportionately plagued by early disease an abbreviated life. I can already see where this is going. I can already see where this is going. So they say, now, now the, what they're trying to claim here is when they're talking about certain different races of people being kind of having a higher percentage of having certain different diseases or, or medical conditions. So one of the, uh, one of the more famous ones here is, is where they talk about this, uh, this thing from the CDC and it's saying that Hispanics have a life expectancy of about three years longer than whites. Now that is something that the CDC has on their site talking about it. They don't want to pay attention to this, by the way, because what they're going to be focused on is that they're mad that, for example, black, black people have a higher tendency to have high blood pressure and diabetes. That's what they look at. They look at these stats and they say, okay, well, why are these races, uh, specific races, having a higher uh, chance of these things versus someone else that doesn't have as high of a chance of these things? But the problem is that 
medically. So for example, my wife is a too soon to be nurse. She should be soon uh, a nurse very soon. Uh, and hopefully by the end of the year and kind of going through some of the course material that even she has been dealing with, what you see is that oftentimes it's pretty objective. And I'm like, and I'm like looking through some of the stuff thinking at some point they're going to have to change this for the sake of the woke idea. Right? Because it's literally just in there like, Hey, blacks have a higher chance of this, 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 and that, you know, when you're, when you're a nurse or you're a doctor, when you go in, you know that, and you can identify it a little bit easier knowing that black people have a higher chance of having certain things that white people have a higher chance of having certain things. And also men and women have differing, uh, different levels of expectancy for certain different diseases and whatnot. It's a, it's never equal. And medically, biologically, we have tendencies amongst our own races, amongst women, amongst men that are completely out of our control, but yet they're trying to somehow change that to somehow be, to fit their narrative. The problem is that they're not going to do it. What, what we're probably going to see is, say for example, of high blood pressure, where what they're going to do is say, you know what? High blood pressure was normally this number, but what we're going to do is, you know, because black people on average tend to be up here and we say they have a higher blood pressure on average, let's just make that new higher blood pressure for black people normal. So that way when they go into the doctor, we don't tell them that they have high blood pressure. And as a result, they wind up dying early because they never did anything about it. Who is that hurting? Who is it hurting? Seriously. It's hurting black people. It's hurting women. It's hurting people that need to know what's going on with them medically because of their sex, because of their race, because of whatever it may be. It really doesn't matter. The point is that you still point it out regardless of what it is. And a doctor needs to be aware of the tendencies uh, between men and women and different black, white, Hispanic, whatever it is. They need to be aware of that, especially when we're talking medically. You can't start messing with things medically in that sense because what you do is that you are only hurting the lives of these people. You're lying to them. You're trying to offset these situations. So basically to kind of recap, what you have is this new system, this new woke medication type thing that's going into play here where not only are they trying to push doctors into the profession or push people into the medical profession that just have no business being there, but they're also trying to keep those doctors from being and hamstringing them, keeping them from being able to really tell you a problem that you might have because you're a certain minority and they don't want it to seem like they're racist by telling you that. That's where we're at. <laughs> Obviously, for anybody that knows what's going on, not a good idea at all. So Bill Gates has hung out with Epstein. We, we have the report showing that. But now we have a new report saying that he actually was trying to hang out with him for his connections. So this is a report coming from his former employee of the Gates, Gates Foundation and said that Gates had hoped that by associating with Epstein, the latter could produce Gates to or introduce him to other influential people that had some sway with the Nobel Committee members. So he was trying to win the Nobel Peace Prize or, or the Nobel Prize for something. Now, Gates reportedly had numerous meetings with Epstein from 2011 to 2013, most often in Epstein's New York mansion, but at least once on his now infamous jet, the Lolita Express that was going to his island that was now raided and everybody's kind of been exposed and talking about that whole situation. But Epstein, by the way, pleaded guilty of soliciting an underage girl for prostitution in 2008 and the public relations team at the Gates Foundation was aware of other 
salacious rumors and allegations circulating around Epstein at the time. So when he was hanging out with him between 2011 and 2013, he knew full well what this guy had done. I mean, he knew. He knew. Gates reportedly had a close relationship with Epstein during those years, one of a few factors that eventually drove Gates and his wife to seek a divorce. This was a report that was recent when talking about why he divorced his wife. A part of the reasons that apparently she was un- uncomfortable about his relationship that he had with Epstein at the time. Now, the real question I have to ask is, is the Nobel Peace Prize really worth going out for Epstein for? I mean, is it really worth hanging out with him? knowing that he pleaded guilty to a prostitution charge. I mean, really, Gates? I mean, that's pretty low. But what this really has to do is, is this really about the Nobel Peace Prize? Or was it really the fact that Bill Gates wanted what Epstein really was offering? Who knows? I mean, at this point, it's all speculation. That's all we can really do. But we do have to wonder. I mean, these are two elites, people that have tons of money, do whatever they want. We've seen that take place. And we know that there's definitely a conspiracy going on between him and I'm sure plenty of other people as well in the industry. But we can only speculate what's going on. I believe, I don't think it was really about the Nobel Prize. I think that was one of the perks. And I don't think he really cared. If it was about the Nobel Prize, he really didn't care. Because what this was about is just getting what he wanted. And he didn't care how screwed up the person's past was or whatever it is. Didn't matter to him. He had his eyes probably set on something in particular, and I'm sure when he went to his island, he probably did some other things there too. We don't know, but it does look to be that way. So just a quick reminder that I do have a Telegram channel where you can get the latest updates and statuses and articles and things like that from me, and you can find that at t.me slash William5849. Remember that is t.me slash William5849, and if you're listening to this on an on a podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, please remember as well to leave a review. Masks never made any sense in schools. And now we have this 10-year-old boy that calls out the hypocrisy right in front of the school board. Turn 10 years old. Just talk a little closer to that. So they I just turned 10 years old and I am a fourth grader at Felix A. Williams. I expected school to be a little bit different in the beginning, but I didn't think it would stay this way all year long. And I was surprised by the rules. A lot of them didn't make any sense to me, like the fact that we were not allowed to play on the playground or have student council or turn to face each other at lunch. And we also have to wear masks outside at PE and on track. I love my school and all, but my teachers seem really stressed and that makes me feel bad. One teacher walks around with a clipboard full of referrals for any student whose mask isn't on properly. It makes me feel scared. That same teacher yells at us having our masks down to drink water while we are outside in Carline. She told us we had to wait until we were in our parents' car to have a drink of water. She had her mask down the entire time while she was yelling at us, which makes me and all my friends very mad. This happens a lot. And it seems unfair teachers take their masks off while they're yell while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up. I asked my mom if there is a word for this, and she said there is. Hypocrisy. Wearing a mask all day makes me feel really tired and gives me really bad headaches. Sometimes I'm in school and I need to lay low in the dark until they're gone. My mask also sticks to my face when it's really hot, and it makes it hard to breathe. I feel like I can't catch my breath, and that makes me feel claustrophobic and anxious. It's really stressful. 
I finished taking all of my FSAs and I had a hard time focusing with a mask on. A few weeks ago, I ran into my teacher outside of school. She didn't even recognize me because she's never seen my face before. But I knew it was her because she sits at her desk a lot without a mask on. I know my teacher has asthma and everything, but I understand why it's hard for her to wear a mask. And I think she should have that choice. But I should too. I have allergies and I feel really anxious with my face covered. But I'm not allowed a mask break like her. It seems unfair. All this seems unfair and it doesn't make sense. I miss seeing people's face. I miss the way things used to be. I'm scared they'll never go back to normal. Breathing freely doesn't seem like something we should have to ask any other people for permission for. Please make masks optional today. It would be so awesome to end the school year on a really happy note like that. Thank you for your time. Thank you, John. You did a good job. <laughs> I love this here because what we're seeing is that an actual student is just calling it out for what he sees it as. Because this isn't a matter of just saying, you know what, hey, I just don't like them, and that's it. But it's like, you know what, even the teachers aren't adhering to these guidelines. And I think the worst thing that we can do is that the problem is that we've looked at teachers as a society and said, these people are heroes, they can do no wrong. And what they've done is refuse to teach any other way. Because now they've hamstringed the educational system, and they've said, or do you not care about our lives as teachers and everything else? And as a result, because we've said that they can do no wrong, it's resulted in these things like this. The schools and the teachers unions caving to what the teachers want. They don't care about the students or anything else. The teachers are the most important aspect in the school system right now in the way that the mandates are, are treated. And the thing we've been saying from the very beginning is, look, if it's done for the teachers and even the teachers aren't following that, whether they are vaccinated or not, why in the world is it that the students aren't? Because the students are no risk to COVID-19. They really aren't. I mean, the numbers are have been proven on that multiple times over and over again. They're just not the target for, for any of this whatsoever. The thing is, is that these should have been made optional a long time ago. They're just asking for them to be optional. It's not a matter of trying to ban people from wearing masks. Not a terrible idea, but that's not what they're trying to do. They're just saying, just make them optional. Allow the kids, they're going to play on the playgrounds to breathe. Uh, before, uh, I believe a week or two ago, I covered a, a girl that was doing track and field at in uh, high school. And she, had a, she was forced to wear a mask outside, running, by herself. And literally fainted right at the finish line. Was dizzy, confused, didn't know where she was. You can't do this to children. It's absolutely ridiculous at this point. And once again, if the masks work so well, where are yours? If you're wearing yours, why are you concerned about everyone else? That's really what it comes down to. But following the speech, the Martin County School Board actually voted 4-1 to one to make masks optional beginning June 1st. So masks will also be optional as well during their graduation and during summer school, which is good. So at least it, the message got across. The message got to who it needed to get to, and they paid attention to what he was saying because it really is an, a, a very, very important message. So Joe Biden jokes at this reporter, and this was pretty crazy, uh, but he basically says that he would hit her with his truck. <laughs> Mr. President, can I ask you a quick question on Israel before you drive away? No, away, you can't. So <laughs> uh, not unless you get in front of the car as I step on it. <laughs> I'm only teasing. Okay, here we go. You ready? See it, sir. You ready? Fantastic. <laughs> 
<laughs> so by the way, uh, this was a, uh, I guess they were showcasing this new electric Ford F-150 and this reporter had asked him about talking about Israel and that's his response. Now, the first thing we can imagine is what if Trump made that statement? I mean, we'd be hearing that for weeks. They would have, I guarantee they would have impeached him again because they would have said that isn't, he, he threatened to run a reporter over with his car and we could have said, hey guys, it was a joke. It, didn't, it wouldn't matter to them. They would be trying to impeach him over something like that at this point, but because it's Biden, he gets off scotch-free. Now, the real story here is that Biden was never actually driving the truck at all. So this shouldn't come as any surprise, but uh, I'm going to show you the clip of this in slow motion. And as you're going to see, the truck is driving by and you'll see that Biden has his hand on the steering wheel and there's a guy next to him with his own steering wheel in the passenger seat that is really driving everything in the truck he's the one that's actually turning so then there's this real part kind of a little bit later as you're seeing here where he turns the steering wheel like to the right pretty sharply but if you look at the tires they're not moving at all like <laughs> they're still straight because biden is not driving this vehicle whatsoever so once again you have to take this into consideration do, do you really want biden driving a car and gunning it off in the distance seeming so cool the thing was that he was faking it he was literally saying yeah, you want to see me do this here? I think it does like 0 to 60 or 0 to 80 in 4-something seconds and, and pretends as if he's actually doing it when he's not doing it at all. Um, so just another fake kind of uh, fake out going on there um, because, trust me, nobody in their right mind will put Biden behind the, probably behind the wheel of any car, let alone an electric vehicle that is up for testing. So, so you have Dr. Fauci that's been coming out there now and he's flip-flopping again. He's done nothing but flip-flop for the past year, and this is no exception, of course, and he's now admitting that wearing the masks while being vaccinated was nothing but political theater, which shouldn't come as any surprise because I think we know that. I've been calling that out for months now, but on Good Morning America, he said, before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals, but being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting is extremely low. So, this is very important because what you have is a situation where people were getting the vaccine, okay? And the people that were getting the vaccine, including Joe Biden that got it, Fauci got it, a bunch of other people received the vaccine, they were still wearing the masks everywhere. Outside, inside, you name it, they were still wearing it. And we were like, guys, what's the point of the vaccine if you're just going to keep wearing the mask anyways? I mean, it, once again, it's not about what makes sense. So it's always been about political theater. That's what this was. He didn't want people to say, whoa, he's going back on his thing. Listen, why are you succumbing to what the CDC says? Who cares what the CDC says? You shouldn't be waiting on this benign organization to give you permission to live your life the way that you generally see fit. That's not what this is about. You have your right to do what you need to do. So he said Americans didn't need to wear a mask to prevent the spread of COVID-19 last year. Then he said to wear a mask. Then he said, wear two masks. And he's now insistent that everybody should wear a mask everywhere, even outdoors, and even if they are vaccinated. And now, of course, he's flipping on that again. So if you remember, in the early part of 2020, he said, you, when you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might make or might even drop a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. That's what he said at the time. And once again, there's still no sign supporting wearing a cloth mask that you 
have not washed in weeks or months or since this pandemic started that you lay on dirty surfaces that have not been uh, sanitized and when you're touching it with your hands often on things all day or beneath your nose. There's no science behind that, but yet and still, if you walk into any place right now that is requiring a mask and wear it below your nose, nobody will say a word to you. How is that okay? I mean, that's not how this should work, but yet for some reason it happens all the time. I was at the dealership getting my car service. They have this big sign out on the outside of the door saying, you must wear a mask to enter in this place. So I, you know, I put on a little mask begrudgingly just to get in, get out, whatever. And you go in there, the guy that's doing the actual servicing for the cars has the mask beneath his nose. I don't blame him because it's hard to breathe like that for eight hours a day. But here's the thing. Why is that okay? But yet you're forcing people to wear one in. I mean, do you think that your mouth is the main spreader? I mean, your nose is there, folks. Like, (laughs) that's still a thing. It's just crazy to me when you see that happen and nobody says anything when it's being worn improperly, not being cleaned, an improper mask, a bandana. They don't care. It's just all about the the looks of it is really all this is about. The thing is, too, is that I don't listen to Fauci whatsoever because he's going to flip and flop wherever he needs to go at any given point in time. He's saying this now, but it'll change later. All right, so I covered this story a little bit, just kind of going through the footage, but there was a police shooting involving this guy named Andrew Brown. And if you are, or if you're interested in the actual full clip that I put up, uh, going through each second of the video and police footage, I would advise you to go to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, look at that video uh, to kind of show you exactly what's going on. But I just wanted to kind of recap it briefly on the show, just to say that the shooting was entirely justified. This was a situation by the way, where a black man was, he had a warrant out for his arrest. So the police officers, there was like four of them that pulled up in a police truck. Um, they were literally about to go ahead and serve this warrant and arrest him at this time. They knew where he was and were going to the location. That's how this works. I've worked at a sheriff's office. When we get a warrant and somebody knows who they are and they know they have a warrant out for their arrest, they go out there to arrest them. So he, they were on their way there. And the guy, I guess, was just in his car or just was about to get in his car. But he gets in his car and the the police officers had jumped out and they told him to stop, stop, stop. Don't go anywhere. Get out of the car. What's he do? He continues to drive the car, basically floors it, aims it and turns it towards a police officer. And from what the looks of the video showed is that it looked like he hit the police car or the police officer with the front of his car. And then they started shooting shots into the vehicle as a way to apprehend this guy. Now... You had Al Sharpton, all the regular key figureheads, these all these reverends that apparently probably haven't stepped foot in a church in their entire lives, come out of the woodwork saying, oh, well, they, they should have just let him go. Why can't they just let him go? Why is a warrant a license to kill? Which doesn't make sense. A warrant never was a license to kill, but I can't tell you what is a license to kill endangering the life of a cop. Okay, that's that's <laughs> that's the standard line of reasoning here. It doesn't go any further than that. And you know what also is a license to kill? Endanger the life of anybody. Okay, if you try to hit anybody with your car, they technically have a right to shoot you to and claim self-defense. It's not even a police officer specific thing. It's just you not being an idiot thing. That's how this works. 
And yet you see these people out there that are trying to defend this action for some reason as being okay. Oh, just let him go, officer. It's no big deal. He just had to get to work. He was late for work. He'll get to work. And, and you know, you can just arrest him afterwards because he's totally going to comply when you try to get him a second time. That's what they tell you. It's a really, really dumb situation that we see ourselves with here. And you see the general racism from these people and stupidity from these people where they're basically saying without saying it, how dare police officers expect that black people not resist arrest and not run them over with their car? See, officer, black people have to resist arrest and they have to try and run you over with their car because you see, they, they just don't know any better. They don't know how to act right, officers. So just let them go. That's where we're at right now. But the shooting was justified. Whether they want to call it that or not, the, the, those people thought that they were right, they were wrong. The shooting was 100% justified in that situation. There were people trying to protest it and act all crazy and act like it was going to turn into something. It didn't turn into anything. And and most of these situations won't because what you're going to consistently see is every time it starts off with a black man committing a crime, doing something stupid in the first place. Every single time. And it's not just committing the crime because they already did that. I mean, I went through the guy's rap sheet, but he had been committing crimes, armed robbery since 1995. He, He was no newbie to the whole system of of committing crimes the police officers studied that report and knew that he had a history of law enforcement of resisting arrest and armed robbery and all these other things so they knew this guy was not going to go willingly that's why they came out ready to go when that situation happened by the way this is the justification for no-knock warrants because when you have a situation where the the person that you know has a long history of resisting arrest and acting a fool every time an officer is involved in anything, you know that if they know if, if it's the police officers that are coming, then they're going to run. That they're going to shoot back at you or they're going to do worse. So they oftentimes use the no-night warrants or whatever it is to say, let's show up unexpected because that doesn't give them any time to do something stupid. In this situation, someone got hit by a car. So justified once again but either way that's all i have for you today once again go check out that video for sure remember to follow me on telegram on that channel as well you can just find me by searching william hall or william 5849 but with that being said i thank you for watching or listening to the show and i will see you on the next one